You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 288. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking, and ultimately, your life. This week's song was requested by one of my longtime listeners, Emily. She was drawn to the mention of some specific characters in Scripture. In Nobody by Casting Crowns featuring Matthew West, they sing of David, Moses, and the Twelve Disciples, who were basically folks who nobody would consider as somebodies, and God used them to change the world. Now, before we dive into Scripture, let's listen to the chorus. Because I'm just a nobody, trying to tell everybody. All about somebody who saved my soul Ever since you rescued me You gave my heart a song to sing I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus So the premise of this song is to point out something about God. He he picks the most unlikely of candidates to change the world. And the first verse actually says, Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All of my life I've been told I belong at the end of a line with all the other not-quites, with all the never-get-it-rights, but it turns out they are the ones you were looking for all this time. Now, I'm pretty sure you can relate to this. (laughs) And as I said, while the song goes on to mention characters like David and Moses and the Twelve Disciples, those aren't the guys I chose to study. However, you can. Now, you could use this song as a catalyst to study any of those characters or any characters in the Bible, really, and just really ponder the unlikeliness of their situations. This is a Bible interaction tool exercise of studying a topic, and I call these exercises bites. They are just my way of taking small bites out of scripture and then keeping my study time varied. So if I were to study David, I would start at the beginning where he is first mentioned in scripture and then consider all the details about him that make him an unlikely candidate for kingdom impact. Okay, and you could do the same for Moses and the 12 disciples or pick one of the three or all three or or whatever you want to do. Now, this type of study is very focused in that you will read carefully from the beginning with the topic in mind. So the topic being the characteristics of the most unlikely heroes of the Bible. Now, so for my study time and this podcast, I chose Samuel because that is the sermon series that we are in at church. And so I was inspired by a song and current study. And with all the time I've been spending in Samuel through Sunday morning service and our community group discussions and personal reading time, I honed in on Samuel's beginning and the calling of Samuel by the Lord into his service. And that's what I want to talk about on today's podcast. But that's where I've been spending my time. And so it naturally, when Emily recommended this song, I thought, oh, my goodness, Samuel is a nobody that God called into service. And so we're going to consider that. There's actually a lot to learn in 1 Samuel 1 through 3. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, That's our focus today. But remember, I'm using the bite of considering a topic. So again, as I study, I want to keep that in the back of my mind. So you could actually spend a ton of time in 1 Samuel 1 through 3 and follow a bunch of different trails. 
but I want to consider this idea of Samuel being a nobody. Um, I also use the bite of considering the opposite. So if we're going to talk about nobodies, then what's the opposite of a nobody? A somebody. And what's the definition of a somebody? Well, someone who is noteworthy or significant. Now, I know you might be thinking, how can someone who literally has two books of the Bible named after him be a nobody? Well, that's what I want to talk about today, because everybody has to start somewhere. And it's out of a life of obedience that Samuel actualizes a life of significance. So another bite that is really important this week is to read Samuel's story in context. Now, it won't do you any good for you, for you to read just a few verses here and there about Samuel outside of the context of his story. So I start, I want you to start in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and then read on from there. As a recap for today's episode, or uh, however, I just have to tell you kind of the beginning because we don't have time to read three chapters and talk about it on the podcast. But as a recap for today's podcast, Samuel was born to Hannah and Elkanah, and they lived in the hill country of Ephraim. And as the story goes, Hannah was barren for a really long time. And one day they were in town at Shiloh, which is where the tabernacle of the Lord was located. They were in town. They made the trip annually to make sacrifices to the Lord. We're not really studying Hannah here, but this is her prayer to the Lord that eventually led to the birth of Samuel. So in verse 11 in chapter 1, she, she it says, And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. So it so happened that a priest of God, Eli, was watching Hannah pray and actually rebuked her because he thought that she was drunk. And when she assured him she was not drunk, but merely praying out of grief and anguish, he uh, spoke a blessing over her and then sent her on her way. So after that, she did indeed get pregnant and a boy that uh, and she had Samuel. She named Samuel, which in Hebrew, by the way, sounds like the Hebrew word that means heard by God. Isn't that sweet? And so in fact, here's what scripture says in verse 20. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him, you know, or because God heard me, some, some translations say. And then the craziest thing happens. She fulfills the vow she made to God. (laughs) So uh, down in verse 21, it says, When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband told her. Stay here until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. All right. (laughs) Man, it could be about Hannah. I'm a mama, and I'm just thinking, I just don't know if I could do that. But um, Hannah was able to raise Samuel into a young boy. Um, And 
it uh, the weaning age could be as young as three, probably closer to five or six. Um, but anyway, the, this whole idea, if you have a three to six-year-old, is, we're just going to go with five or six, okay? Um, Hannah was able to raise Samuel. Because again, we're not thinking about Hannah. We're thinking about Samuel. So he's had this mother who has dedicated him to the Lord and knows she's going to. And if I have a a child that I know I'm going to dedicate to the Lord, I'm going to actually leave at the tabernacle when he's five or six, I'm going to instill in him godly wisdom. And how do I know that she even had that? Well, not only can you get this idea that she was just so grateful to the Lord for answering her prayer, but there is a prayer uh, recorded in chapter two, and it indicates an intimate knowledge of God and a devotion to him that is deeper than just mere religious tradition. Okay, uh, verses one and two, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. And it goes on and on and on in her prayer. And I think it would not be a far stretch to deduce that Hannah would pass this on to Samuel or at least model it for him, right? I cannot imagine, again, a mother in her circumstances loving God and loving her son that much that she would dedicate him to the Lord and give him away for a life of service to God without passing on her faith. So that's who Samuel is, right? So as we continue to read in chapter 2, we see after Hannah's prayer a discussion about the wickedness of Eli's sons. But slipped in between it all are a few statements about Samuel. It says the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. It says Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Meanwhile, the boy... Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. And then another place it says, and the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. But it's actually in chapter three that the Lord calls Samuel. So let's look at that. In verse one of chapter three, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went into Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Ah, So as you consider this story, I just love, I love God's word. But as you consider this story, I want you to consider the context clues as to what is going on in the world, or at least Samuel's world, at this time. 
Now, we didn't have a chance to read it on the podcast, but in chapter two, we see just how wicked the sons of Eli are. They are serving as priests before the Lord, and they have completely disregarded his holiness. Eli seems to either be complicit in their actions or at least painfully passive. And these are the spiritual leaders of Israel. And these are the examples for Samuel. So let's consider why it took three times for Eli to properly instruct Samuel. First, let's observe directly in scripture. So this is using the bite of observation. Okay, I just want you to see what scripture says. I don't want you to read into it. <laughs> it, it says enough. You don't have to read into it. Okay. Um, and there's a couple things I can add just because I've done some research, but most of what I have written down here or what, what we're going to talk about, I wrote it down, but I'm going to tell you, um, uh, is stuff that, I can ob- that you could observe on your own. You don't need me. Okay. So it says in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. All right. Well, there you have it. That's one answer. The word of the Lord was rare, period. They were not expecting him to speak. (laughs) Okay. Let that sink in. All right. How about verse three? The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. All right. So in these days, the lamp was lit at sunset and extinguished at sunrise. Sometimes the oil would run out in the night, um, but it would run out closer to morning, if at all. And that's, I got from my research. You would not have known that. But this this does give us some context clues as to what time of night it was, if you knew that. But even if you didn't know all of that, you can tell by the text that Eli and Samuel were sleeping. <laughs> it was in the middle of the night. Okay. So you've got this couple of reasons why Eli wouldn't have known right away why it was God speaking to Samuel. First of all, he wasn't expecting God to speak. Uh, second of all, it was the middle of the night. <laughs> okay. Now, once a, uh, once again, it would not be rare to be a little groggy when aroused from sleep by a voice. Whether you're Samuel and hearing God's voice uh, that you don't recognize or you're e- Eli and hearing Samuel's inquiry. Okay. Now, let's look at verse 7. It says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now, isn't this an interesting verse? And one commentary I read put it this way. It says, um, this, uh, <clears throat> this verse explains why Samuel failed to recognize the voice. Knowing the Lord here denotes not the general religious knowledge of a pious Israelite, but the special knowledge communicated by a personal revelation. All right. So consulting a commentary is a bite, by the way, the bite of utilizing an outside resource. This is a great tool. I don't want you to use it until you've already considered what the text says on your own first. But um, this really does kind of help us. What does that even mean? And I, I probably would have suggested that if I would have read that on my own without double checking my thoughts um, against a commentary is that, you know, God just had he didn't have that relationship with him yet. He was serving the Lord. He was ministering before the Lord, but he did not yet know the Lord. I'm thinking about all these verses in the New Testament about how um, they say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. All right. So we don't want to be in that place where we're doing stuff for God, but we don't know him. Okay. And so in our context, in the New Testament world that we live in today, uh, the New Testament context is that, that we would, we would have surrendered. We would have repented and believed and turned to follow him. And that's how, um, we know him. We actually know him the same way that Samuel is going to get to know him. And that is through our obedience. 
All right. So finally, I think his age is a factor. We don't really know how old Samuel is at this point, although many people believe he's probably around 12 at this time. But he's a child and he's a child ministering before the Lord under Eli, scripture says. So when something came out of the something out of the ordinary happens to him, he runs to his authority. (laughs) And I think that's a pretty good sign. Okay, so let's recap. We have a child awakened from sleep by a voice he didn't recognize because he didn't yet know the Lord, living in an age when the spiritual leaders didn't know the Lord. It actually says that earlier in the text about Hophni and Phinehas. So yeah, it might take three times to get <laughs> to get it right for me too. Okay, so here's what happens next. Samuel does just what Eli instructed the next time he heard God's voice. And, and then here is what God had to say. In verse 11, And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. By the way, that's not a good tingle. Like a, that's an ears reddened in shame kind of tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Wow. Now, my question is, why would God make this the first message Samuel is to repeat? (laughs) Uh, Because that's what a prophet is, one who speaks the message of God. And this is a hard message, don't you think? I mean, Eli is Samuel's spiritual father. And for all intents and purposes, his present father figure in his life, he can probably see the family dysfunction around him, but it's his family, right? And and there, you know, some some might say, well, there's a, probably a sense of relief that God really is God and will not stand for such unholiness, and that perhaps this is the beginning of a new era. But maybe not. Samuel is a child, so why this message? And because if Samuel can't share this hard message, he won't share the next one, or the next one. You see, this is a call to obedience. In verse 15, it says, Samuel lay down until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. And Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you, Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Now, don't forget this part. Eli had already heard from the Lord on this matter. In chapter 2, a man of God comes and prophesies that hard message to Eli that he and his family would be judged. So this test was more about Samuel's obedience and less about the message. You hear me? This test was more about Samuel's obedience and less about the message. Now, another bite I like to use is to share what you're learning with your friends. And I had a chance to do this at community group. We're all wrestling through the details of what this scripture was saying and what it might mean, just like I listed out for you here. And a friend of mine piped up with this, and it really stuck with me. Um, She said, this was the first step in the maturation process of adult Samuel. God's word has now been revealed to him, and he is responsible for sharing it. And it starts with this first message, but it will continue as a conversation and a call to obedience for his entire life. 
And so we finish out the rest of chapter three. We see the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So as we consider what it meant for Samuel, I think we can apply the same to us. What is God revealing to you? Are you stepping out in obedience? Are you obeying the call to holiness found throughout scripture? Are you sharing the word of the Lord with others? Because we're not like the Israelites. The word of the Lord is not rare. It is revealed, y'all. You have it sitting on your shelf next to your bedside table or on your device. What are you going to do with it? I suggest let's read it. So what's next? Well, read 1 Samuel 1 through 3. Spend some time really taking in the context of the world around Samuel's existence. Grab a friend and discuss the details together. Now, once you've read and reread the text a few times, it's okay to peek down at your study Bible notes or seek out a trusted commentary. And then the next time you read or the next time you hear God speaking to you, be sure to obey. It may just be that it's just like it was for Samuel. More about your obedience and less about the message. Well, while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat or on Facebook. Michelle L. Kneezat is my public page. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Edna from Prince Edward Island, Canada, Emily from Indiana, Jordan from the UK, Tammy from Florida, Joy from Indiana, Karen from Alberta, Canada, Tammy from Washington, and Melinda from California. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week, and in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone tablet desktop or you can print it out you get an email recap of the week's episode and you get instant access to any of the resources I create for my episodes from time to time and all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening so head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? This not only encourages me, but helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Like Mike from Ontario, Canada, who says, wow, excellent teaching, Michelle, encouraging and edifying, much needed today in this broken world. I will sing to the Lord. God bless. Uh, I'm sure he probably was just thinking about the, or just listening to the episode on choosing to bless the Lord. And Mike, thank you so much for that review. I really appreciate it. Now, of course, you can listen to the podcast through iTunes or the Apple podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using the song Burn the Ships by For King and Country to help us dive into scripture. And if you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 288. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.